textiles and the heart of the Irish Rover. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Holsch Fidelity episode 12. Now, this is a Christmas special and you'll find out why a little bit later on. But in October 1982, bands like ABC, Culture Club and Survivor dominated the top 20 when the Pogues barreled out from the back streets of King's Cross. A furious pioneering mix of punk energy, traditional melodies and the powerfully poetic songwriting of Shane McGowan. Reviled by traditionalists for their frequently fast, often riotous interpretations of Irish folk songs, the Pogues rose from the sweaty chaos of backroom gigs in Camden pubs to world tours with the likes of Elvis Costello, U2 and Bob Dylan and had huge commercial success with everyone's favourite Christmas song, Fairy Tale of New York. Yet, the exuberance of their live performances coupled with relentless touring spiralled into years of hard drinking and excess, which eventually took their toll, most famously on Shane, but also on the rest of the band, causing them to part ways seven years later. On the 30th of November 2023, after receiving last rites, Shane McGowan died from pneumonia at his home in Dublin with his wife by his side. He was 65. On the 8th of December, McGowan's coffin was borne through the streets of Dublin on a horse-drawn carriage as fans lined the streets for his funeral procession. Tonight's episode is a tribute to this great man and the band that has been such a massive part of my life, the Pogues. Tonight, my great mate Jono is back. How are you doing, mate? Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you, Holsch. Thanks for inviting me back into the Fidelity Lounge. It's an honour and a pleasure as always. Mate, it's an honour to have you here, especially with such an unbelievable band today and the Pogues. So, mate, the Pogues, they've been a, a long-time love for yourself? Absolutely, yeah. Huge, huge love and huge influence on me for, I suppose, since the 90s. I first got into into them. It always had a love of, of punk, you know, rock punk music, to be honest, more than more than your traditional Irish music. But it, it, it was the way that obviously the Pogues blended the two together that made them so special. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I agree completely. It's that punk element that, you know, and, and obviously that the fact that they did bring Irish music back into the mainstream through their style was a revelation for that country. Yeah, well, that's right, yeah. According to Shane, he was chosen by God to save Irish music. I don't think he was far off the mark, to be honest. He was, he was one of a kind. And, yeah, what, what other bands are there out there that have that have blended that, those two styles so well together? Yeah, and, and I, I've yeah. just seen so many, so much footage of live performances by these guys and the fans are sick they're crazy you know they're, they're stomp and roar and they're fighting and they're singing along and there's guinness being spilt everywhere you know every show Absolutely. is just this almost a riot i never got well, to see that, them live but apparently no. someone else on this podcast has 
<laughs> yeah, a lucky moment, really. We did a, a overseas holiday, you know, traveling, working holiday in the late 90s, early 2000s, and we found ourselves living in, in Dublin. And the, I think the tour was a um, some sort of reunion tour, 2001, and they're playing in Dublin. So obviously couldn't miss out as soon as the tickets went on sale. We jumped on it. It didn't disappoint. Shane wasn't in wasn't in the best of sobriety at the time. The rest of the band and him himself like rocked out. Yeah, it was it was unbelievable. Yeah, uh, it sounds like you know the drunken nature of Shane was a pretty common occurrence for probably the majority of the gigs that he played. I don't remember seeing too many video footages of of videos <laughs> um, of songs where he's where he's sober. Yeah, um, so you got a bit of a story yeah. there, don't you, with that that gig and his his antics, or no, not so much his antics, yeah. but his state. Uh, yeah, yeah, he, he, yeah. As I said, he, he wasn't he wasn't the best sobriety, and he he came out and he was leaning very heavily on the on the microphone stand to stay upright, and then we realised that they'd had to gaffer tape basically <laughs> fix this microphone stand to the to the wooden stage to keep him upright. Wow. Um, uh, and that's that's how he performed, pint in one hand and microphone in the other and, and, and got through it and the, the rest of the band were rocking. But I, I suppose to actually see them in Dublin too. like the, Yeah, that's incredible. The, the, yeah, the local local crew were were, were pretty, pretty wild. It was a sellout gig. So you, you look at the set list and it's, you know, just 30 of the best. 30? So, um, 30? Uh, oh, at least, yeah, yeah. Wow! If you go back to that, go back to that 2001 set list. It's, it's, yeah. And there's no support act or anything. They just, they just cranked it out. Little interval back out there again. Like phenomenal, phenomenal live act. Yeah. Oh man, I, they were so high on my bucket list. And obviously, with the condition that Shane was in, I, I knew it was very slim chance. But man, I'm, I'm very yeah. jealous that you got the chance to. To, to have that in the memory bank. Yeah, for sure. Like, don't don't take it for granted. To see them live in the 80s would have been pretty special and right in their peak. And they're right in the, the coattails of that English punk scene. They started off in, what, 1982. Shane apparently had been seen at quite a few Sex Pistols gigs and, you know, in and around the London punk scene at, at that time. And, yeah, it was just sort of a natural progression to start up his own punk band but throw that throw that spin on and, and do the fusion of Irish folk. And, yeah, okay. Uh, so Sex punk. Pistols were a big influence on these guys. Oh, huge, yeah. It was, it was the, that start of the punk scene. So he would have been around 20 years old, say, when the, the punk scene broke out in London. He was, you know, you've, you've seen the, the documentary Trees, the mm. copper gold, and uh, yeah, yeah he was into drugs and into whatever was rocking against the the norm. Mm. Yeah, that Crocker Gold documentary is a pretty incredible insight to you know just the type of lifestyle that these guys had when they were you know really kicking butt. He stated that one year they played three hundred and sixty three gigs, which yeah, is a, insane. Yeah, he just said it was it was killing him yeah. pretty much, and he's a real people person, as as you've probably heard in uh, people's reflections back on what type of guy he was. He's a lover of people, and he didn't want to let the band down, mm-hmm. even though he was struggling and trying to do it day day in day out. That many gigs a year it was literally killing him. But mm-hmm. he uh, he started drinking at the age of six. Yeah, that's right. Well, <laughs> yeah, it, it was doomed to start. <laughs> 
really, wasn't he? You know, you drinking, drinking pints of Guinness and, and smoking and dancing and sitting on the bars in Irish Irish pubs. Like, looking back on the documentary, he grew up in a big Irish family on Country Island on the state. It was all this work in the working the land and sneaking the sneaking the drinks, but there was nothing bad thought of it. No. Drinking and drinking and smoking. It was just, you know, good good for you put hairs on your chest. Yeah, I think it was just part of the culture in Ireland at that time. Then to, to move move to London at, at early age and I think it was a bit of a struggle for the whole family, wasn't it? Like that shift over to to London and went went through the various family members went through, you know, depression and they turned to the, the, the drink and the and the drugs, so and at that time as well, like in the the heady days of, of punk in the early eighties, not not surprising he, he turned out like he did. Quite sad, really, but can't take away his songwriting prowesses and his amazing voice. That it's it's gravelly and rough, but you'll never forget it. I've listened to artists that have covered some of the Pogue songs and Shane songs, and and you just can't comprehend them because. Without his voice, they might be the same r- rhythm and key and all the rest of it, but they're not the same song without Shane delivering it. 100%. Couldn't agree more. And, and the, the covers of some of the songs, a lot of the songs are traditional Irish songs that, that they've covered and put their spin on. And it's hard to say that the original is better <laughs> when, yeah. you hear, when you hear Shane do it. Some of his descriptors of his songwriting is impossibly beautiful, romantic, sometimes subversive poetry delivered with fiery passion. I think that sums it up pretty well, doesn't it? Yeah, for sure, mate. Well, before we dive into our honourable mentions, I just want to mention that for myself, the Pogues were a really special part of my my childhood. So my my brother's 10 years older than myself and probably one of my biggest musical influences of all time when I hear bands like Queen's later stuff, Tracy Chapman, Tom Petty. It always reminds me of my older brother. Probably the one that sticks out the most and most vivid and has stuck with me the most throughout my life was the Pogues. He played the Pogues a lot and it was always so distinctively different from everything else back then because I was listening to top 40 pop stuff mainly around that time when I was young. The Pogues just sounded like this, you know, that was my first adult music to a degree and I really appreciate that he had that awesome taste back then because it's it's put me instead to, you know, roll into the punk scene and all the rest and I actually sent him a message the other day and said, oh, you just want to shoot me through your top five? And he he sent them through in no particular order. And I'll just quickly reel off his five without going into any yeah. of them. But he has Fairytale of New York in there. And then he's got yeah. Misty Morning Albert Bridge, Trans Metropolitan, A Rainy Night in Soho. And the last one is Dirty Old Town, which... I think is a another traditional song or a song that was definitely released back in the forties, I think, by an Irish singer or a past singer. But yeah. Dirty yeah, Old Town's definitely. one that really it's the one that makes reminds me of Darren the most, my brother. Canal 
kiss my girl by the factory wall. Dirty old town, dirty old town. So, you know, it's it's a, a real special track whenever it comes on. But anyway, that's that's my brother's top five. And, yeah, my childhood, uh, quick in a nutshell, with um, with the Pogues. All right. Yeah, you were lucky. You know, what a, what a great influence to have. I oh, know. I was very lucky, actually. <laughs> really lucky. Yeah. You got some honourable mentions, mate? I do. My wife, who almost made it to the podcast but wasn't really feeling feeling up to it unfortunately a bit under the weather but she she wanted to throw in there the wild rover her and my brother scotty when we were living just quickly living in dublin worked in, in the local pubs so they listened to a lot of the pogues and it was around christmas time you know we were there from you know october to february so pogues are played daily Apart from your obvious like fairy tale in new york the wild rover was was right up there with one of her favorites I've been a wild rover for many a year And I spent so many money on whiskey and fare But now I'm returning with gold in great store And I promise to play the wild rover no more And it's no night never No night never no more Will I play the wild rover Streams of whiskey was was a was a close cutoff. Pair of brown eyes. Amazing song. Yeah, I really love love the cover they do of the band play Walsh and Matilda. Oh, uh, yes. It just about, just about brings a tear to your eye. I've been to many uh, Anzac Day where they where they where they've played that in the morning for the dawn service, and yeah, they, they really should do Shane's version. <laughs> I reckon next time. And as our ship pulled in so circular key, I looked at the place. Where me legs used to be And thank Christ There was nobody waiting for me To grieve and to mourn and to pity And the band played waltzing Matilda As they carried us down the gangway but nobody cheered They just stood and stared And they turned 
their faces away And now every April I sit on yeah. I'll put a I'll put a put a word in with the RSL. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and a wonderful world like the the duet with Nick Cave, like mm. such a beautiful, beautiful duet. I see trees of green. Red roses too I watch them bloom For me and you And I think to myself What a wonderful I see skies of blue Clouds of white The bright blessed day And a dark sacred night And I think to myself What a wonderful Man, that could just be a top five right there, and and I'd be content. They're they're all amazing songs. Streams of whiskey is and uh, you know a very iconic drinking track. I'm I'm glad you mentioned them all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I think you'll find a bit of a trend with my five of drinking tracks there, Hulk. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's get into it. Yeah, I think I think he, I think he has whiskey in like. 90% of his songs like mentioned mm. in some regard. I, I will just give one really quick honourable mention as well. That is for one of his, well, I think it's a solo track, but it, it was also, I think, on his album with the Popes when Shane McGowan was the Popes. And it's called Haunted. He sings it in a, a duet with Sinead O'Connor, who I, I think yeah. has one of the most incredible voices in music. And, you know, she sung, obviously, Nothing compares to you, but she sung a lot of traditional Irish music as well. It's one of those songs where her voice is so angelic and then Shane's is not angelic. It really sort of makes both of their their sounds so prominent because of yeah. how contrasting they are. sunny day Somewhere in London in the middle of nowhere Didn't have nothing to do that day Didn't want to do nothing anyway You got a way of walking And it's something about you And now I know I never ever wanna be without you I wanna be haunted by the ghost I wanna be haunted by the 
It was a song I listened to a, a ton when I was younger and, you know, I still it's still got a special place in my heart. But having said that, I still, even if it was available, I don't think it would have made my top five. But I think the Pogue yeah. stuff I've got is better. But, yeah, just an honourable mention there, mate. Oh, for sure. And, you know, another tragic, a tragic loss this year to the music industry with Sinead. Yeah. She was... Bipolar, wasn't she? She she was dealing yeah, with said, really sad. Yeah, a lot of a lot of personal issues. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, as per the format, I will kick off first, mate. And as we roll into my number five, I will just say that all of my selections for my five were written by Shane McGowan. One of them was co-written, but Shane McGowan wrote the lyrics in in all five of these songs. And there's a bit of a theme in that the lyrics have really gotten these songs over the line for me in in many cases because he's just incredible. His his lyrics are next level and his storytelling is, is even better again. Number five. My number five which is the second track of Rum, Sodomy and The Lash in 1985, is called The Old Main Drag. This is a song that gives a real lyrical insight into just a completely other world outside of what we know. You know, we go through life and we've got this almost narrow life experience where we're very lucky, you know what I mean? We don't deal with a, a lot of issues that that other walks of life have this one in particular every time i hear it it's, it's really vivid how he describes it it's it's confronting it's a a statement of human despair in the end the story has no comebacks or revivals it's just the despair starts and it's shit ass till the very end and it's it's really sad in the end and Shane gives us this really accurate depiction of of a life lived on the streets of London that essentially it descends into sex work, begging, drug use, violence, chaos, disease, and, and then eventually death. One other thing with this song that it's easy to forget that, you know, despite their Irish origins, the Pokes were principally a, a London band. Shane McGann was born in Ireland, but, you know, he came of age in London and that's where everything kicked off and where they spent most of their time. And this song is the story of a 16-year-old Irish boy arriving on the streets of London, soon becoming a sex worker at Piccadilly Circus. So he came into London as a dreamer, hoping to be a performer, but then after, a, you know, a brief tourist-like arrival, he finds that his young fit body is the only significant resource and finds solace in London's red light district. It's, yeah, I, it, the, the song itself doesn't change a lot from start to end. And I think that is also part of the structure to give that feeling that, you know, he's just plodding along and things aren't getting better. One of the lines that is stated there is, is how he got brutalised by the police. They say, you know, they ruined my good looks, which was the only way he was getting paid. And, and having started with nothing, ends up with even less. At the end, they say, I think this is my favourite line, even though it's sad as. It, I've been spat on and shat on and raped and abused. I know that I'm dying and I wish I could beg for some money to take me from the old main drag. Um Gosh. 
It's, yeah, it's rough. And with the song itself, it starts with this, this sustained drone of an accordion note. like gently clucking banjo line that that just nurses it along through the through the melody and then it's got like this acoustic guitar strumming through it but the the song itself is really sparse and when i said about at the end there after he's saying for some money to take me from the old main drag like the last three words he just speaks them old main drag instead of sings them because He's done. He's he's got nothing left. And then the song actually finishes with one more drone of accordion, and it's just a, a touch lower. And it it basically represents that you know nothing's changed, and this just goes on forever. Some money to take me from the old main drag. Anyway, it's, I won't go into it anymore, but it's just a song that every time I hear it, it, it does affect me quite a bit. And actually, one other lyric in it. In the dark of an alley, you'd work for a five for a swift one off the wrist down on the old main drag. So... Rod Stewart was actually going to cover this song and he was gearing up to, to do it and then he balked at it when he realised that there was a sign in there about wanking men off in an alley for a five-pound note. So, <laughs> it wasn't a good look for him. <laughs> it just wasn't Rod Stewart-ish. So, yeah. But no, mate, it's, uh, you know, yeah. even now it's, it, it's still quite relevant with poverty and homelessness and, and the shit some of these people have to go through. But anyway, that's my five, mate. So what have awesome. you got at five? I have got off the very first album, Red Roses for me. Oh, yes. Called Whiskey or the Devil. Yes. So, oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like I said at the start there, a lot of mine are, are uh, drinking, traditional drinking <laughs> songs. And I, I thought I'd pick go for this one first to start in chronological order with, with the first album. But it's, yeah, it's it's a traditional like I say, uh, drinking uh, Irish pub culture song. It's got a, a, a pulsating rhythm uh, through the through the whole the whole song that creates this infectious energy for the for the crowd, especially during during live performances. This one this one went off in 01. I'll probably say that a little bit for each song too. Hulk, <laughs> <I play? laughs> 
Well, you, at least you've got live experience to draw on. I, I don't have that. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, I, I don't rub it in. Looking through the the lyrics, they're all based on the war and the, I suppose, relationship with whiskey drinking during the war. It wasn't a original song for for the Pogues. Mm-hmm. I'm a little bit jealous with you saying that Shane. I think the, the rest of my my five are written by Shane, but this this one was performed by the the Clancy Brothers back in. The, the 50s, yep. the, the original, and and, I, I, it, and even that wasn't their original. It was an, an old Irish folk song from from 100 years ago, but the, the, there's no clear author. Yeah, he's, apparently he's, he's changed the lyrics slightly to, to suit himself, but, yeah, it, it really, this one, I heard a lot in the pubs living, working in Ireland, and, yeah, it just takes me, takes me straight back to the drinking songs. We're on the march, shut the Portugal spine Drums are beating banners, riding the devil A home will come tonight, love very well We're meeting the Lunda, meeting the Lunda We run for tour, and the old is whiskey in the jar hey! Whiskey, you're the devil, you're leading me straight All the hills and mountains into America You're sweet and strong and decent, you're spunkier than Teddy And whiskey, you're me darling, drunk for soul Nice. I actually, I'm actually really happy that you put in one of the traditional tracks because their revisions of the traditional songs was such a huge part of their their set list, their coming of age. You know, that's what put them on the map initially. So, you know, I think it's really important. And I did listen to the Clancy Brothers version today, mm-hmm. and Shane's version's shits all over it. <laughs> it's just got so, it's it's just got so much more feeling to it. So much more energy, yeah, yeah, uh, that's right. It's, you, you're not going to be able to find an original. You're like, oh, you know what? You know, Shane, Shane, Shane killed it. What was he? Do- what was he thinking? Nah, he, he, any 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 cover he did, the spin that he put on it, yeah, was was so much better. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Number four. So my first one, the old main drag was pretty sedate, I guess. It, it, it was powerful, and and he sings it with a lot of passion and anger and sorrow at the same time but this one is a is a very angry upbeat song and it's called boys from the county hell and it's the fifth track off that same album you just mentioned red roses for yes. me in 1984 boys from the county hell i reckon is a, is a great example of their their punk folk sound that merged with you know that traditional irish music back in at the start this song tells in great detail the story of like a tough gang of drunken hooligans that won't hesitate to to put anyone in their place from what i could tell pretty violently in in a lot of instances so the lyrics on this track are insane you know it's a it's another storytelling masterpiece and it just it feels like the song is saying you know don't mess with me don't mess with my friends don't mess with my family because we're going to fuck you up, essentially. 
<laughs> yeah. You know, and and it's I think it's a little bit of a biographical song in some regards. I, I think the Pogues and Shane they didn't take a step backwards. And I know when you and I watched Croc of Goal, you could see like how quickly he can take things to heart and 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 sort of just spit it back at you. I could just imagine them at this this age, you know, when they're nineteen, twenty years old. But this this full of fire, oh, yeah. full of fire, yeah. You can really feel it with song, and the start of it has like this almost like Western movie-like rattle, like a jewel at dawn banjo, and it creates this sort of this menacing start right, right, right from the get-go. And And then it kicks in with some more sort of traditional Irish music and then this racing tempo that, that kicks in. One thing I've learnt with the Pogues is I now love the tin whistle. Man, oh, yes. How good is it? Why is no one playing, not playing the tin whistle anymore? Because oh, is it Spider? Is that his name? Spider Stacy, the, uh, yeah. the, the band member. That, that, and that's all he did. Really? That, that, was his, that was his only job in the band. Oh. Was to, he, he might have done some backing vocals, but every time you see the videos, he's just standing there, either ready to play his tin whistle or playing his tin whistle. <laughs> but it's one of the main instruments in in that traditional Irish music, isn't it? So. Yeah, that's very true. And and the accordion is also really prominent in a lot of their music. Well, it, Hulk, it, while while we're talking instruments, sorry sorry to cut. No, you're off, right. I've made a bit of I've made a bit of a list here oh. of instruments played. In the Pogues, Hit so me. we've got the tin whistle, the number banjo, one. number one. Oh, that's from <laughs> top of the list. Spider and his tin whistle. We've got we've got the banjo, the mandola, saxophone, the hurdy gurdy, guitar, accordion, mandolin, piano, odron, drums, harmonica, bass, sitern, concertina, violin, and ukulele. Unbelievable. So. And mix mix all those instruments together with with Shane's voice, and yeah, you got quite the party. Yeah, that beautiful sound and eclectic sound with you know that rough punk sort of voice, pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. and you forget how good, how good the musicians the rest of the band were. Like some of the band members were playing three or four of these instruments on you know different songs. So yeah, it's it's pretty special. Well back to the to the song, you know, Shane, as we mentioned before, you know, he writes about all classes of outcasts, people and you know, in this song he describes them as the the junkies, the drunks, the pimps, the whores, a subsection of society in which people from all walks of life could actually end up. In the chorus he has a line, Lend me ten pounds and I'll buy you a drink. And mother, wake me up early in the morning. Wake me early in the morning. So that lend me ten pounds and buy you. I'll buy you a drink. Is is one of the Shane McGowan's favourite greetings, everyday greetings. It's probably because he's always drinking. Yeah, um, I like it. I'll have to use that one. Back to what I said with the autobiographical nod to the band's outlaw reputation. That the lyrics stay on the other side of the road because you can never tell. We've a thirst like a gang of devils. We're the boys of the county hell. Lend me ten pounds, 
Yeah, All right. Yeah. Well, that's my number four. So, boys from the county hell. Now, mate, your so. number four. Yeah. So, my number four, I've gone from their third album, If I Should Fall from Grace, and I've chosen the, the title track uh, from, yes. from the album, If I Should Fall from Grace. And look, it, once again, it's, a, it's another two and a half minute pub sing along type song. Let me go, boys. Yeah. Let me go. Oh. Boys. So good, yeah. Just a, just a great single. I've heard it so many times. You know, we're living over there and singing along. Delving into the into the lyrics, it depicts a struggle of, of the narrator's relationship with God as the, the possible fear of being rejected in the afterlife, a desire to be to be released, like, we, like you were just saying, let me go, boys, you know, a desire to be released or let go, suggesting a longing for freedom, like whether that was possibly shame the state that he was in at the time and being overworked and certainly underpaid in the, in the pogues and having enough and wanting out try for freedom or who, who knows the lyrics touch on the uh, the idea of uh, of ownership and and territorial disputes uh, a little bit of okay. a little bit of politics in there shane was as you probably know from crocker gold was a staunch republican coming up three boys so I was trying to what was he talking about there? Coming up three boys, coming up three. So he's talking about there's a there's a sailing legend. If a a man falls overboard, he'd come up to the surface three times before succumbing to to drowning and, and dying. So. Holy shit! <laughs> Bury me at sea where no mur- murdered ghost can haunt me. If I rock upon the waves, no corpse shall lie upon me. Coming up three, boys, coming up three. So, Wow, I've heard that um, lyric so many times and had no idea what it meant. That's yeah, brilliant. That's right. that's brilliant. Yeah, 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 same. And it's not until you start digging down if you mm. find these things out. And, and then it's got the I- iconic, we haven't talked about this yet, but the iconic Shane mid-song, Yeah! There's so many. Like, there's about four, three of my songs out of the five where he's just got the, the yeah halfway through, <laughs> and it just 
gets 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 you up on the dance floor, doesn't it? Oh, mate, yeah, I love this yeah. song, and you're right, it bloody it just gets you revved up. It's a it's a it's one that I heard a lot as a kid because when I spoke about my brother's influence. If I Fall From Grace With God was the album that he played the most by far. Right. And, you know, this was mm-hmm. the album opener. So, you know, even if we didn't get through the album, I always heard If I Fall From Grace With God. Absolute belter, yeah. mate. Great, great pick. Great way, great way to kick, kick off the album, hey. Oh, <laughs> so good. So good. Yeah. Number three. My four and five were both massive lyric songs and this one is probably what i would say is my favorite songwriting of his across the whole catalog and i'm not even going to try and explain it because i still like i love the lyrics in it but it is so deep and the song is called the sick bed of kukulayan and it's the opening track from rum sodomy and the lash again 1985 now this song touches on irish myth history, violence, and, of course, booze in under three minutes. It's a hallucinatory fantasy of sorts. It's, it demonstrates, I don't know, it's, it's a faster, more frantic punk side to the Pogues after the introduction piece in it. It's just, it's packed with violent action, but it's, it's just so descriptive. You know, it's like, yeah. it's got startling imagery, you know, through the whole thing, and, but it's so historical. And, you know, I, I just think it's one of Shane's, crazy best songwriting efforts it's teeming with allusions to irish legends you know for example kukulain himself is a mythical gaelic warrior but then he also touches on i forget all their name but it, it, it starts with two names and i can't even remember what they're called but i think one's an artist and one's a, like to do with something to do with politics so that just he intertwines all these different characters into this song, and only parts of it uh, touch on actually any truth. It's it's something that he's basically dreamed and put together, and this is his spin on it. Shane actually explained that he lived at his uncle's Irish pub in Essex for quite some time, and this was actually written about a conglomeration of characters who went into this pub. So oh, is that right? Yeah, so pissheads basically. You know, and they had loads of tales from their past. So one of these guys got syphilis in Cologne. One got drunk with Frank Ryan, who was the leader of the Irish members of the International Brigade who fought the fascist in the Spanish Civil War. And, and another one was just on a bender in the Euston Tavern, uh, you know, a pub near London Railway Station. And he took their stories with these other characters and, and spun it into this tale yeah, it's really cool how, you know, he, he he's probably just having these drinking sessions himself and then he just goes back and, and puts it into words, but, you know, in this off-kilter style in a, in a way. But the song starts really amazingly from the very first line. It, it imagines the protagonist hallucinating in his deathbed and goes right through until he wigs out, you know, in the, the final instrumental. And the introduction is is eerie, eerie but beautiful, and it's tense. It's almost like a doom mongering atmosphere, and and it's got this militaristic beat. McCormick and Richard Tauber are singing by the bed. There's a glass of punch below your feet And an angel at your head There's devils on each side of you With bottles in their hand 
Give me one more drop of poison and you'll dream of foreign lands. Then the rest of the song proceeds in typical Pogue style. The, you know, it blends the punk punk in and then the fury with it with the with the Irish instruments. But one part of it, to me, and <laughs> I've never read it anywhere, but it, to me it has like a, a bit of a pirate shanty feel. <laughs> The coolest part, I think, for the song for me is the, the machine gun clattering of Andrew Rankin's drums through the track and, and obviously McGowan, he's just fiery and pissed off and passionate as usual, similar to the, the last track I had. Yeah, I love uh, Frank Ryan's character in the in the lyrics. Of Frank Ryan bought you a whiskey and a brothel in Madrid and you, you decked some fucking black shirt for cursing all the yids. <laughs> <laughs> that's my favourite. That's what I mean. Like, listen to those so lyrics. Great, great stories and characters all, all rolled up into one song. When you pissed yourself in Frankfurt and got sipped out in Cologne, and you heard the rattling stack trains as you lay in air all along, Frank Ryan bought your whiskey and a brattle in Madrid, and you take some fucking black shirt who was cursing all the yeats, and a sick bit of Coo Cullen, well, nail and say a prayer. Ghosts are rattling at the door, and the devil's in the chair. Oh, you know, man, that's so good. And yeah, I mean, some of my favourite lyrics in the in the song around the one minute forty mark. The song turns real slow and angry, and and my favourite lyrics in the whole song. They took you up to midnight mass and left you in the lurch, so you dropped a button in the plate and spewed up in the church. Remember that foul evening When you heard the banshees howl There was lazy drunken bastards singing Billy in the bowl They took you up to midnight mass And left you in the lurch So you dropped a button in the plate And spewed up in the church now you sing a song of liberty for blacks and packs of jocks And I'll take you from this dump you're in and stick you in a box Then I'll take you to the prior and shove you in the ground Where you stick your head back out and shout we'll have another round And the great sword of Cucullan will kneel around and cry And God is in his heaven and Freddy's down by the fire Yes. Just cracking. But one other interesting lyric is, so Kukulain, who's this, you know, mythical Irish Gaelic warrior, he was actually, after he died, he was decapitated. One of his lines there is, but you'll stick your head back out and shout, we'll have another round. Whenever you hear that in that song, like that just sort of takes a little bit of a different meaning on it if you think about, you know, this is the, the dead mythical warrior's head and it just pops back up to say, let's, let's get back on it. Let's do it again. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, epic yeah. tale, you know, violent as hell, but um, brilliant song and, and once again got that alcoholic theme to it. Well done, Shane. And, and the and the iconic, yeah. <laughs> Down to number three. Okay, so my number three is called The Body of an American. 
Now, this is off once again, Rum, Sodomy and the Lash. I, I think I'm going to have to say this would be my favourite album out of out of those first first three classic albums. Yeah, this, this one's a bit of a storyline about the Irish-American immigration. Musically starts off an instrumental intro with a traditional folk melody featuring the, the classic tin whistle and and according, I think, and I, I think it's based around like the the music of a funeral procession or ah. something like that. It's not nice and slow. And I was only listening back to it just before, and that's I was trying to think what what what's, what does that sound like? And the start of the the intro and then the outro is reminds me because it's 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 a song about it being at a funeral. So I think that's that's what they're they're trying to to mimic there. Yes, it's it's a story about uh, character Big Jim Dwyer and his his life uh, in the in the USA as a as an Irish American uh, immigrant. He was a, a boxer, and it, and, it, and it tells a story of the the highs and lows of of being an immigrant and and fighting your way, like literally, to the top. It starts off with being at the funeral back home in Ireland, so all the family have have got got together for, for Jim Dwyer's funeral who'd been sent away to the war by the Americans and died at war so his body had been sent back to Ireland and yeah so it starts off a bit sombre and then before you know it they're, they're all drinking whiskey and getting smashed and telling <laughs> telling stories you know yeah so I love this so, song um, so much the chorus echoes I'm, I'm a free man of the USA which is sung in in Irish considering how the how the Irish were treated not only in in the UK but but in, in America it was sung with a with, with a sense of sense of irony and pride that as a freeborn man making his own life in America but then you know, sent sent into the into the war uh, depicts a, a life of a soldier ultimately his death in in battle mingling Irish mythology war tales and 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 stories of his of his friends and family and the anthem pays tribute to Jim's life and reminds us of what it means to to be a free American. The Cadillacs that by the house and the Yanks they were within. And the tinker boys, they hissed advice, but were with a pen. When we turned and shook, as we had a look in a room where the dead man lay. So big Jim Dwyer made his last trip to the shores where his father's lay. And fifteen minutes later, we had our first taste of whiskey. There was uncles giving lectures on ancient Irish history. The men all started telling jokes and the women they got frisky. By five o'clock in the evening, every bastard there was pesky. Very well gone away, there's nothing left to say. Farewell to New York City boys, the Boston and PA. He took them out with a well on cloud and I often heard him say, I'm a free born man of the USA. Hey, fuck! 
but yeah, once once it gets into the into the song, it's knees up and rolling <laughs> pub sing along music, really, isn't it? Yeah, no, it, it's another yeah, cracking yeah. drinking song and one that maybe a few Pogues fans out there hadn't heard as much. I know it was also released on Pogue Tree in Motion, I think it's called Tin Whistle again in that one and accordion, uh, prominent in that yeah. one, really big, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, great pick, mate. Great I, I think it's brilliant. A body of an American. I would love to roll in my number two, but I'm not going to announce it because I know it's your number one. So I am going to forego my description of number two or announcement of number two, and, and I'll talk with you in, uh, in tandem later on. So that means it's like you know skip card. It's just yeah, you just played the skip card straight back to you, mate, for your number two, and I can't wait for you to announce this one because this is oh, this is one of the greats. Number two, yeah, my number two is Sally McLenane. Yeah, one one of the biggest off once again off my favourite album that Rum Sodomy and the Lash. This one, another great pub drinking sing along song. Rollicking uh, lyrics all, all the way through, and, and songwriting, and just deep diving into the into the lyrics. It was inspired by legendary drinking sessions by the Pogues, <laughs> <laughs> and like frontman Shane McGowan would leave his friends in in London, like band members' friends, and travel back to Ireland. But they'd always have a, a farewell before he went so they'd be drinking at a pub near the near the Euston train station or, or whatever. S- Sally McLean isn't a lady or a person. It, it's the name of a, um, an Irish stout. Oh, really? Yeah. He'd be getting on the getting on the drink with his friends and boarding the, the train to head to Hollyhead and then get a boat over to, to for the ferry over to, to Dunleary back home to, to Ireland. But strangely enough was where we lived when we were over living over in Dublin. Scotty, Scotty, Deb and I were living in Dunleary. Oh, there you uh, go. Which back to Sally McLean. Yeah, like I said, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't based on a on a woman at all. It was yeah, this brand of uh, Irish step. The song chorus, sad to say, I must be on my way. So buy me a beer and, and whiskey because I'm going far away. I'm on again, the pub where I was born He played it from the night time to the pace of early morn He sold the souls of psychos and the men who had the horn And they all looked very happy in the morning But Jimmy didn't like his place in this world of ours Where the other man brought storm and next and he had too many pairs So I sad to see the grieving of the people that I'm leaving And he took the road for God knows in the morning We walked into the station in the rain we kissed him as we put him on the train And we sang him a song that time's long gone Though we knew that we'd be seeing him again But sad to say I must be on my way So buy me beer and whiskey cause I'm going far away I'd like to think I'll be returning when I can To the greatest little boozer and to Sally McLennan The years went by and times were changed I grew to be a man I think it's safe to say, like, this would have to be almost the front runner as their best drinking song ever. If you if you see them play it live on on the video YouTube, the crowd's going absolutely nuts. Yeah, I think that's a good call. I really, I, I love in the in the pre-chorus on that song. They've, it, there's these short, rapid-fire drum rolls. These little yep. We walked into the station in the rain. 
Yeah, it's almost got like like a marching band type of drumming. Yeah, uh, you know, he he stands up and drums. You would you would have seen you would have, I don't know what the drummer's name is, but you would you would have seen him at some of their live videos, and he stands up the whole time to play the drums. And yeah, it's it's that real kind of marching band mm-hmm. feel to it, coming at you like a gun sort of thing. Like yeah. you say, uh, yeah, unreal pick, mate. Sally McLean, yeah. absolute. Belter. How long does that one Absolutely. go for? Does it go past the three-minute mark or not? No, two, two minutes forty. <laughs> and, <laughs> Standard. Yeah, and and that, but that's that's your your typical punk sort of song. So there's probably a bit more punk in this one than than your traditional Irish folk. Yeah, a lot of the the punk songs I grew up loving listening to, you, you didn't see too many over over three minutes. Uh, awesome, mate. <laughs> Okay, well, yeah. that, that means we're up to the top of the chain. I wonder what it's going to be. Number one. So my number one is, I think, one of the most sad yet beautiful songs ever made. And it's from, well, the version I am selecting, because we'll get into this, but there's a few versions of this track with different instrumentation. But my version is off the... The 1986 EP, Pogatry in Motion, and the song is A Rainy Night in Soho. Now, since Shane's passing, I really think this is going to be the song that's going to be associated with him directly the most. If not, like it definitely will for me. With the sad news of Shane, it's it's been a pretty prominent track with tributes and Nick Cave singing it at his funeral. How good was that? I bawled my eyes out when I, I mm. watched it. And the thing is, that he didn't do it perfectly, but he did it with as much emotion as I've, I've heard from any singer ever. Like, you could tell Shane was one of his really good mates and it hurt for him to sing that song and, and I thought it was incredible. I've been loving you long time down all the years down all the days and I've cried for all your troubles smiled at your funny little ways We watched our friends grow up together And we saw them as they fell That's pretty moving. Yeah. Now, a rainy night in Soho. So, look, the Pogues were always able to surprise their listeners. Just when you thought, you know, you had them pegged as these purveyors of just the Celtic melodies and, and that punkish attitude, then they go out and they drop this heartfelt ballad, leave you crying in your Guinness, or in my case the other day, just crying over YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> Even then, though, it's actually really difficult to tell if this song is singing about a, a woman that broke his heart uh, so anyway, more on that later. But look, this original version that was on Pogatry in, in Motion is my version. I, I just feel like it's a little bit more stripped back and uh, it makes Shane's voice more pronounced, more emotional, more powerful. And I think it also brings out the strings 
that's used on this and it's less produced and a bit more natural. The other version that I'll mention, it, it's, it is a lot slicker and it's, it's more got the, the Elvis Costello touch on it. So I just prefer this more laid back sound on the, the Pogatry in Motion. This is a song where Shane McGowan and his producer at the time, Elvis Costello, so Elvis Costello produced Rum, Sodomy and the Lash, they had this big falling out over the final mix of this song. Costello wanted to use an oboe on the song, but McGowan wanted to use a cornet, which is, I looked it up because I, I didn't know exactly what a cornet was, but it's a kind of trumpet, but it's, it's shorter sort of and wider, it's real stout little version and McGowan ended up getting his way and Costello ended up just washing his hands of the recording so eventually this song was released in three different versions one with the cornet on the original English release which I is the one that I love and then there's one with the oboe which was on just the American Canadian release and then five years later probably the most famous version in 1991 was the third version of this song which was a remix with new overdubs produced by Steve Lillywhite and he becomes important with our next track and was released containing elements of both the oboe and the cornet. Interestingly, uh, for those that haven't seen Crock of Gold, Kate O'Rourdon was the bass player on the band in that early stage and Costello was shagging her. The first two albums, yeah. Yeah, so Costello was shagging... Kate from the band and eventually they did get married but it was funny because Shane mentions in this documentary how he used to get up to all sorts of mischief on the drink and all the rest of it and he knew Costello would do nothing to him because Costello needed the band around so he could keep giving Kate one. In the end Shane actually fires Costello from producing the follow-up album because quote Costello was a fat fuck who was on health food diet and didn't tolerate Shane's decadent lifestyle so yeah they had just had this big falling out over this song in particular but on the back of that Costello was frolicking around with one of the band members so now the lyrical meaning of this song I mentioned at the beginning like depending on perspective it could be interpreted as an ode to a long term love who you know provides emotional and physical solace or an extended metaphor for the way alcohol can also be a seductive support system. When I hear it, I actually think of the latter, how alcohol, how much he loved alcohol. And, but I think most people out there think it is a love song for a woman, but the more I listen to it, the more I can sort of resonate that it's, it's around his alcoholism. McGowan states... When asked about the song, he this is him quoting, I've seen ghosts behind me in period costume dictating songs on a couple of occasions. He said, A rainy night in Soho was automatic writing. I had no idea what it was about. I had a vague idea by the time I got to the fourth verse, but until then I hadn't got a clue what was going on. <laughs> Inspiration from the ghosts. <laughs> so no, once no again, drugs, no drugs involved. Exactly, like, and that's that's yeah. where I'm like, you know, maybe this is potentially talking about the the bottle. But McGowan drops stunning set of lines in this. Simple words, but you know, I, I think it's about a man lost in 
fleeting memory that wipes away everything else regardless of what the notion is but my favorite part of this song is the last two verses this then kicks into the the final strings which are you know anyone that's heard this song will know how magic that the final instrumentation is on this song but the the last two verses i'm not singing for the future I'm not dreaming of the past. I'm not talking of the first time. I never think about the last. Now, the song is nearly over. We may never find out what it means, which kind of corresponds with his, his quote. Yeah. Still, there's a light I hold before me. You're the measure of my dreams. The measure of my dreams. With Shane McGowan, and he's writing the way he delivers that, and it's one of the parts that I think, that's the line that makes me think alcohol more than a woman, the measure of my dreams. It's, but that's just me. I've been loving you a long time. Down all the years, down all the days And I've cried for all your troubles Smile at your funny little ways We watched our friends grow up together And we saw them as they fell Some of them fell into heaven Some of them fell into hell I took shelter from a shower And I stepped into your arms All its charms I sang you all my sorrows You told me all your joys Whatever happened to that old song To all those little girls and boys We may never find out what it means But there's a lot I hope for me And you're the measure of my dreams The measure of my dreams
Sometimes I'd wake up in the morning The ginger lady by my bed Covered in a cloak of silence I'd hear you talking in my head I'm not singing for the future I'm not dreaming of the past I'm not talking of the first time I never think about the last Now the song is nearly over We may never find out what it means Still there's a lot of hope for me You're the measure of my dreams The measure of my dreams This is it. This is the 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 one that we both have a a very high consensus of. What is it, mate? Number one. It it is uh, a fairy tale in New York. Yeah, it's a bit abstract. No one's probably heard of this one. No, that's right. Yeah, (laughs) looking at Spotify, it's only had three hundred and fifty million hits. Yeah, definitely their 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 most selected song of Spotify. It's for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's what what can be said about this song that hasn't been said already. It's it's a modern Christmas classic, isn't it? Yeah, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Yeah. I will it's, say it's, now, it's my most played song of all time. Like I, no doubt about it. I've played like I play this all year. I don't just play it at Christmas time. It's oh, same. Yeah, absolutely. But it, it's saying that it is our favourite uh, family Christmas song. Um, you, you, you get a bit sick of hearing all the traditional Christmas carols in the in the in the shops. In saying that, the day that he that I heard that he died, or maybe the day after, I did hear this in in Coles, which <laughs> <From> the <laughs> from the, the shopping trolley down there. I'll go, oh fuck! It's there's nothing sacred. Oh no! Yeah, only oh, just I clicked suppose. what you were saying. It, they're playing it in Coles. They're playing it in Coles. Oh yeah. man! Yeah, yeah. It's like no, you can't have that one. Well, I, I saw a video of it today on YouTube. They're, they're playing it on top of the pops, uh, you know, commercial TV, and you know, I'm sure we'll get onto it. But some of the lyrics in this song, for it to be on on television, is 
pretty interesting. So back in the day, it, mm. it seemed to not be too big on censorship. Yeah, well, talk talk us through this song, mate. Like, what makes it so incredible? Like, I think it's just the, uh, like I say, the, the connection with family of we've always, this has been our number one Christmas song well before we moved or we're doing the overseas trip. Living in Ireland, and obviously having it at home, we we were there during during Christmas in Ireland, and you go to the pub, and this song we played like at least twice, maybe three times at night. <laughs> they had no shame and just like, yeah, put it on again. Everyone <laughs> just be sing, singing along word for word, and it just yeah, I, I suppose just a lot of memories, the yin and the yang of of the song. You know, it's, it starts off so positive. This this couple have moved to America and and want to make it in the show business or, or whatever and it's all very very positive and then the next verse they, they, they're at each other's throats and and yeah, and and calling each other names and hating hating each other and i suppose just that that contrast of positive and negative the music as as well just got that got that traditional irish folky music but then it turns into the into the the, the drinking pub song rollicking along all my life when I've heard it, I, you know, I, I can vividly see these two people fighting through the song and, and you know, mm. the, the lyrics are so catchy. But just digging into it, you know, that first verse where, you know, it's it's obviously much slower and it's just Shane's voice and the piano and he's in the, the New York City drunk tank, so, you know, in, mm. the, in the cell overnight and... And it didn't really click to me that it was Christmas Eve, babe, in the drunk tank, and an old man said to me, won't see another one. And then he sang a, a song, The Rare Old Mountain Dew, I Turned My Face Away and Dreamed About You. So the song is essentially this bloke that's in jail overnight and he's just reliving in his head what's happened with his, with his past lover. So, it, you know, the whole mm. song is really just reminiscing a, about... You know how Re- good reflecting back, yeah, how good he had it, yeah, yeah. You know the rest of the song talking about the, their youthful hopes, crushed by alcohol, drug addiction. Because I think he was a gambler, main mm. like really bad gambler, and, and yeah, she was a singer that liked to get on the piss plenty as well. One minute twenty three, the, the the accordion and all the instruments kick in after that initial part. And something interesting was this is this is the one song of mine where they're co written, so. Shane McGowan wrote this with the banjo player in the band, Jem Finer. Jem Finer quoted, I had written two songs complete with tunes. One had a good tune and crap lyrics, and the other had the idea for fairy tale, but the tune was poxy. I gave them both to Shane, and he gave it a Broadway melody, and there it was. He actually had sort of the, the seed to it all, and then Shane pulled it all together and made it what it is today Kirsty mccall like i think she's just as important in how great this song is as as anyone and you heard how the song originated like a, a, a bet shana said a bet from elvis costello saying that, that he you, couldn't, you couldn't come up yeah with a Chris, christmas number one hit <laughs> <laughs> that particular year it only got to number two because yeah pet shop boys uh, pet, pet shop boys <laughs> yes right. did, did you did you read the quote that he said so no. McGowan's reaction to being pipped to the post that year, so the Pet Shop Boys beating them, we were beaten by two queens and a drum machine. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, well, he's not lying. But funnily uh, enough, Shane McGowan 
in Crocker Gold, in the middle of the, the documentary, he calls it their Bohemian Rhapsody. Mm. But then when it's, you know, at the end of it, when they're talking to, you know, an older Shane McGowan, he now says he fucking hates it. <laughs> oh, yeah, he's probably heard it that many times, you know. Yeah. But I suppose at the time it was their most commercial single, like the Bohemian Rhapsody, so it launched them into into that popular culture. Yeah, and it's, it is very yeah. unique. Like Bohemian Rhapsody has those distinct parts to it, and I think this song... You know, it does have those segments as well where it changes quite diversely. Mm, yeah, and and uh, also, you know, it was originally supposed to be, like when Elvis Costello was putting the bet on, a duet between Shane and Kate. Yes. The the bassist, yeah. And they, they tried to get the song together. That was probably during sessions of Rum, Sodomy and the Lash yep. um, album. And then in the end, Elvis Costello told... Kate that she didn't leave the band that he would he wouldn't marry her so she left the band married married Elvis and then mm. they gave up on the on on the duet and the song altogether and it wasn't until they were recording if I should fall grace from God then what was the what was the uh, Steve Lillywhite did you say the guy's yeah. name was yep, so, yep. yeah and it was, it was his wife wasn't it Kirsty McCall yeah and, and as soon as she got on board. Shane fell in love with her passion for it and said, "Yep, this this is it. We've we've found the found the right singer. It was mm-hmm. worth waiting a year a year to to redo it and turn out to be yeah. at one point the greatest thing he ever did." Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah, and it is. You know, I think it is still one of the. It's going to be. It is one of the greatest songs ever ever made in my yeah. eyes, and it'll always be one of my all-time favourites. Before we play yeah. the full song, I, I think we have to at least mention the confronting lyrics. You're a bum, you're a punk, you're an old slut on junk, lying there almost dead on a drip in that bed. You scumbag, you maggot, you cheap, lousy faggot. Happy Christmas, you ass. I pray God it's our last. Classic uh, Christmas lyrics, really, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Like for all the all the family to enjoy. So yeah, that that was was you know, the big contention uh, with with the BBC. They they wanted them to definitely change the word faggot at least. Yeah, obviously it been been its homophobic connotations, mm. but and and Shane was just like, well, that's just the character. She would use those type of words. How can I? How can I? How can I change it? I'm. I'm not trying to be homophobic. I'm not making a point with this. With, with this lyric, which um, which I completely but, understand. Like that yeah. was just how people spoke back then, and it was never necessarily an aim at what that is interpreted in other ways. It was just an insult to, you know, in this case, her partner. I've heard something similar come from Eminem talking about some of his controversial lyrics. And he's like, I'm just playing a, the, the songwriting is, is just playing a part, like an, an actor acting out a scene. Is that is that actor is is he getting riled for using words that you know in in real life? <laughs> What's the difference with putting it in a lyric for a, for a song? So. That's right. If it was yeah. if it was a movie playing out the hardships mm. or something, it would never have been second guessed. Mm. But anyway, look, mate. I I think this like your number one, my number two, and easily could have been my number one. One of the the greats. I think it's such a magical like i think that's the best way for me to describe it. it's a magical song it's going to be a massive part of shane's legacy 
did we did we mention when Shane McGowan was born yet? Oh no, we haven't. <laughs> <laughs> so I can tell you, he was born in 1957, and uh, he was actually born on Christmas Day. So yes, um, yeah, quite quite ironic that his his number one most commercial hit with the Pogues it was all based around Christmas. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully everyone out there really can enjoy these fives. I, I think they're both cracking lists and even the five honourable mentions. Honorable mentions yeah. yeah. I think all yeah. five of them are insanely good too. They've, they've got such a huge catalogue. If you're into drinking whiskey, then this will be right down your track. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, yeah. Hope, hope if people have, haven't got into the Pogues before, this this will be a good little starter and Hmm. Have a listen to those those few songs. Thanks for having us on again, Holsh. Mate, so good to have you on. And I, I literally, like, I know it took us a while to get to record it because uh, you've been unwell, but I've just been really excited because I love the Pogues so much and I think this has been an amazing episode. So good to have you back on, mate. We've got some uh, big ones coming up with you because I know the Pixies is just around the corner. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Merry Christmas to you, big fella, and to <laughs> yeah. all our listeners. Please, if you're enjoying the episodes, make sure you subscribe. I love the comments that are coming through. It's been really inspiring that people have loved all these different episodes lots of eclectic different artists and we'll be mixing it up again over the coming months jump on the facebook holsh fidelity group and that'll keep you updated on on our top fives and all the rest of it but apart from that i hope you enjoyed the playlist thank you very much merry christmas